Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly update on all things food and drink related in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, a town where great bars and restaurants never really die, they just evolve into something hipper and trendier, (laughs) True. which sadly is a lot more than I can say about (laughs) old writers. We are coming to you this week from a lounge that demonstrates just how dedicated this town is to constantly reinventing itself. The brand new and very beautiful Juliet in the Venetian Resort, which is um, actually soft open right now, preparing for a grand opening on Thursday, August 17th in the space that was previously home to the Dorsey. I'm your host, Al Mancini. I have been writing about food and drink in Las Vegas for over 20 years for pretty much anyone who would pay me. But I left my most recent gig at the Las Vegas Review Journal to create a new kind of online restaurant guide known as Neon Feast and to start a podcast where I could say whatever the fuck I want without having to run it past an an editor (laughs) for approval. And you're about to see how that's working out for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, As we always say, everybody needs an editor and we're proving it. Yes. (laughs) And because I'm not foolish enough to think I can pull off such a feat on my own without some feedback, I have a pair of partners in this crime. My co-host is Las Vegas food writer Samantha Gemini-Stevens, creator of the Wishbone and Vine website and blog, and a food writer for OffTheStrip.com. How are you, Gemini? I am fabulous. I mean, I get to sit in this kind of space and enjoy the morning with you guys. I'm not doing too bad today. You're a big cocktail lounge lady. I am a lounge lady. A lady who cocktails, (laughs) right? Is that? How do you feel about this? This is gorgeous. I mean, I I, I see where there's still some bones of the Dorsey, but, you know, it's, I came in earlier before you guys got here and I just kind of sat in a corner for a little while and just kind of took it in and it's cozy, it's comfy, it's luxurious, it's it makes me want to sit here for hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I feel like I'm home. This is great. So their job is done. They want yeah, to they sit did here it. all night. They did drink. it. They got me. My wallet is in my bag. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> we try not to be too political on this podcast, but I here's the first thing that came up to my mind was, it's less Trumpy because uh, <laughs> okay. the Dorsey oh, was all that gold, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, so you mean his, his aesthetic decor? The aesthetic, yes. yes. Oh, decorated. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, now, now yeah, where you see we're gold, steering clear of that topic. It's, it's, it's yeah, but I love I love the bookcase vibe of the library area we're sitting in. Um, More it, color. Yeah. It's oh, it's colorful. It's homey. It's welcoming. But at the same time, I still feel, still feel like I'm in an upscale space. That I know that I'm just going to be taken care of. All I got to do is order my uh, drinks. And if you're hearing a third voice in there and you want to know who it is, well, that is the man who knows. Actually, the political voice in there. The guy, <laughs> guy who covered the White House for um, Fox News Radio for um, many, many years. But the man who knows how to push all of our buttons and who ain't half bad at twisting our knobs yeah, either. You know. The engineer Ooh, with no fear who you want to hear. He's newly single and ready to mingle, in case any <laughs> of the ladies out there are interested. Yes. The one and only Mr. Rich Johnson. Help. Rich, how are you, brother? Please help me figure out if I still know how to twist knobs. You know, <laughs> what I'm saying here. That was the best intro for Rich in a long time. <laughs> hey, right. I'm old. I'm fat. I got hair where it's not supposed to be. What a catch. There you go. That, and he still has to do this podcast, so you can tell he's not all that financially. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, did, I, did I mention broke? If... <laughs> yes. That's, that's a quadruple threat now. That's right. We'll find you a sugar mama. Oh. Yes. 
<laughs> well, you didn't really. I thought I gave you a nice little intro, but you, I did. You ruined I it. Ruined there it. Now. Yeah. Now I need like a stevia mama. <laughs> oh man. So look, as our regular listeners know, we like to start the show by giving you a glimpse into the way we eat during a typical week in Las Vegas. So we always kick things off by telling you about some of the best places we've dined since last time you heard from us. Ladies first this week, Gemini, would you like yeah. to get us started on that front? Absolutely. Um, so the first thing that I was really happy I got to do, because I haven't done it as much lately, is pop my head into Garage East. So I had a couple of glasses of wine in while I had a district. meeting there in the Arts District. Yep, there on California. And um, even with all the construction and everything happening, thankfully, you can still get everywhere you need to go down there. So go down there. Um, if you remember, they were JBF finalist. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, they did not get the, uh, the award this year, but, um, you know, they're still amazing. Their programs are still fantastic. The list is still ever-changing and ever-surprising. So it was really fun when somebody suggested having a meeting there because we both like wine and we got to try all kinds of new stuff. So cool. definitely enjoyed that. Um, quick jump into Featherblade. That's the English butcher down at Durango and Charleston to grab a duck for some home cooking for some yeah. friends on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I don't do, won't go too much into that. Um, I finally walked into and well, damn near drove into somebody's car and caused an accident because I almost grabbed the wheel of the car while John was driving. There's a keto bakery over by UMC, and the sign just says keto bakery. They're called Starburst Parlor, and they're very, like, 40s, 50s vibe, like rockabilly vibe when you go in. Lots of pink and stuff like that, that kind of um, soda fountain look almost. Mm -hmm. And everything in there is gluten-free and sugar-free. So that's, and when you say keto bakery, that's it, gluten and sugar-free? Yeah, yeah. The, the, so that was carb-free as well. Well, that, that's, yeah, it's, it's um, or, so it would be low-carb as well, yeah, if, yeah. Not, if not totally carb-free. So they use almond flour in everything. They use a couple of different types of sugar alternatives. Some of them are natural. Some of them are man-made. It just depends on what works better for different things. They have ice cream. They have pizza. We just got a bunch of sweet treats and, and a hot coffee. Um, I had my first mocha in the first t- in years because I didn't have to worry about it being rampant with sugar. Mm-hmm. I just don't process that kind of stuff very well. And so everything we had was really good. The textures were good. The flavors were good. I still need to go in and try and get some pizza. So maybe I'll do that today on the way home. Um, and I'll let you know how that works out. But definitely got to go give them a shot especially if you have a sweet tooth yeah. so here's my question sure. whenever you know we have a keto bakery a vegan this say you know <laughs> yeah. oh, this that whatever you know an act yeah. whatever um it's always the, the thing is not is it good because those places are always good but yeah. how big of a difference between you know that and the, if you if you order an item that is the keto version how close does it come to what you would consider so, good on the real version on so a scale for, of one to ten? Okay, you know? that's fair. Um, on this one, I would say the coffee was was ten out of ten. I could not tell the difference. It was delicious, and they use good coffee, so that part was easy. Um, I had a little uh, peanut butter cheesecake thing that we shared. Um, that honestly, except for a little bit of grittiness, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell that there was like fake sugar or something like that in there. Um, and the what was the one I really, really enjoyed? The carrot cake. Could not tell the difference to save my life. 
because you still using carrots, still using walnuts and and things like that, still using all those like really nice warm baking spices. Mm-hmm. But not a buttercream frosting, right? They have a version of buttercream frosting because they can still use cream, uh, heavy oh, cream. Oh well, then that's see. I was going to yeah. say without a buttercream frosting, that would be the no. Because I feel like carrot cake in general sucks, and the only way that no, anybody's ever was... gotten me to eat it is by slathering it with. I mean, I hate carrots. For those who don't want to do the frosting, they offer that. I am a frosting kind of person when I do eat sweets. So um, the carrot cake, I would say probably nine out of 10. Everything else, probably seven and a half or eight. So really decent change outs for people who don't eat a lot of carbs or can't have a lot of sugar in their life. Um, I know a lot of diabetic friends will love it. I don't live like this keto lifestyle where I have bacon, you know, for every meal and all of that. (laughs) But I've just noticed over the years that my body just doesn't process carbs very well. So to find a place like this that has all of these things on offer, sandwiches and pizzas and desserts and all of it, I'm excited to go back and and see what else I can find out. I'm paying close attention because I've ever since that gallbladder got taken out, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I can process and what I can't. Yeah, that might be a good shot for you go in and try a couple things see how you feel yeah i will head out over there because you know as we all know carrot cake is really just a buttercream frosting delivery absolutely really is the only reason i've ever wanted a carrot cake in my life what i like guy that doesn't like what i like is they serve things mostly cold so you can if you're going to take it to go yeah by the time you get it home or you just want to let it sit out for a minute it ends up being that perfect moist texture um, but it stays really well in the fridge because there's only two of us. And we walked out of there with like 65 bucks worth, <laughs> worth of sweets. So they had to last quite a few days. Um, so, yeah, check that out. It's I, it's on Charleston. It's next to where the old Jimmy John's used to be. Um, I don't know the, the actual street. It's by the Omelette House, not far from the UMC. It's okay. right in that, that food area by La cool. Okay. Um, started out uh, yesterday. We had some fun. Our please send noodles with three exclamation points group that we have talked about on this podcast. Went to a cooking class and demo at Shanghai Taste. Chef Jimmy Lee's mom, just call her Eddie, taught us how to make Zhangji dumplings, wow. which are these sweet sticky rice dumplings that you can fill either with savory or sweet we were using bean paste for our demonstrations um into bamboo leaves and it's this really special way to fold the packet and tie it off and she's cutting the kitchen twine with her teeth and but shanghai taste never fails so we got to eat a little bit there and do that another james beard award foundation exactly this year exactly And uh, I went to Boulder Station yesterday um, on purpose, (laughs) um, which (laughs) I I bought something off of Facebook Facebook Marketplace. And this is this was the meeting place (laughs) because they live in Lake Las Vegas and I live in Summerlin. So we're like, you know, this is not Palace Station where OJ comes to get your memorabilia (laughs) back. Yeah. Right. Um, So but I had a very decent dirty martini inside the cigar bar there. So I wanted to give the guy a shout out. I don't even know his name. It was like 10 bucks, and it was definitely worth a seat in the cigar bar. And I like you know, the smell of a cigar. I, so. I never get over to Boulder Station only because it's just from where I am. It's like it might as well be in Utah. Yeah. Um, but Boulder Station's got a lot of cool things. First of all, we, we talked about and we're going to have somebody on from Boulder Station in a week or so. Cool. To talk about that new sports bar that's going yes, in there or sports yes. restaurant bar that's happening. Game on from the people that brought you blondies. Yep. That's really cool. But. If you ever get the chance to go to the Boulder Station Steakhouse. Now, really? I haven't been 
Uh, it's been a couple years. It for may me, have... it's been at least 13 or 14 years. Yeah, it certainly hasn't been that long for me. But the thing I always loved about the Boulder Station Steakhouse is it's really a throwback to a certain era of steakhouses, right? Like, they still have a... They, these, last I was there, still had a salad bar. Yeah. Right? Like, where you wow. help yourself oh, wow. to a salad, which was, like, you know, so far in the past. Like, bless yeah. the past. But as far as dishes, like the Oysters Rockefeller, which go in and out of fashion at yeah. other bars, but they're always on the menu there, right? Yeah. Like a lot of those, the escargot, oyster, you know, oh. things that are just classic dishes. The staff has all worked there forever. Yeah. They know their customers. They know their shit. So, you know, don't, don't, you know, you know, go, oh, Boulder Station. There's some shit at Boulder Station. If you're out there, you know, thinking about it, if you're in that neighborhood, you could do much worse than, I That's, mean, it's definitely where you want to go you if that. you're in that neighborhood. I will give you, you know? that. And I am looking forward to the sports bar. So that'll be awesome. Yeah. And then um, Tin Fish Club had a pop up last night. I didn't end up going, but I'm saying, talking about it anyway, because we've talked about them on this podcast and they have a new event coming up. Um, on the 22nd at Haleo. And so I don't want anybody who has talked... We're, we're talking about the same restaurant, Haleo. Is Haleo, how sorry. It? Yes. No, you may be yeah. right. I don't um, know. By Jose Andres. Restaurant Cosmopolitan. And yes. uh, you can buy tickets for that on uh, tinnedficionado.com because their combinations are always amazing. And now that they're going to be working with um, Haleo to put that together, I just had to throw that out there. Cool. So if you want your fish in a can, yes. Rich, what about you, man? Where you been dining? It has been a, a breakfasty week for me. We're talking about breakfasts uh, over the weekend. I went to Publicus. Go there a lot for coffee, and uh, my ex-wife's <laughs> now favorite uh, thing of all time: the oat milk hot latte. Okay. What she says is just you know can't be had anyplace else. So I'll troop on down there, get it, bring it to go, and like that because I'm. I'm a pretty good ex-husband. Ex-husband, still bringing cool stuff home to the ex. That's By the way, is it as hard to get used to saying ex-wife as it is to get used to saying wife when you first get married? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I had the vegetable Benedict poached eggs. I like coddled eggs masquerading as poached eggs. I'm not such a fan of. I mean, they were just barely held together, and so the taste, part of the taste of an egg, is in the cooking. Yeah, and it was just not there. It was. Darn near a raw egg, all mixed in with a hollandaise sauce. Mm. Uh, the veggies on the side, uh, tomatoes, zucchini, asparagus, uh, carrots, and all that. A huge pile. It was almost could be a lunch entree unto itself. Okay. And a really good combination, you know, oregano, thyme, the thing, but strong. And for me, it was just too strong for breakfast. Got it. It would have been a nice lunch thing, a dinner side and I can even I'm see. Have to yeah, go you try could, that now too. Yeah, just ask her for the veggie omelet without our veggie Benedict without the Benedict part. Yeah. Just get those pretty, veggies. Well, pretty much anything with an egg on it, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I could have used the eggs done maybe another forty seconds. Okay, or so, so fair enough. I got some egg taste out of there. Um, what twelve twenty eight Main, which I did here just before we came here to record this. I had the Main Street Special: eggs, bacon, a green chili hash browns. Uh, other items on their breakfast menu, because they're open at 7, right there on 12th and Main. Uh, egg, bacon, and cheddar on a focaccia, a shakshuka, salmon on a latke with uh, cream cream fresh, uh, ham and gruyere croissant, omelet with Swiss cheese. So my uh, Main Street special, nicely done eggs, house-made sourdough. Sourdough is a little challenging. I almost asked for a steak knife to cut it up with yeah. my eggs, but I, I, I got through it. Uh, really? Nice little hash brown topped with what I think was green chili infused dollop of whipped butter. Interesting. That's where they, I thought okay. it, 
and I was expecting more of a kick. Actually, I was expecting a kick at all. Mm -hmm. There was a little nice mild green chilliness in the butter. Uh, I would have a little bit of that, and there was a little bit of cubed avocado, and a little bit of the the hash browns, really. Yeah. And um, it was nice, but I really was, when I saw green chilies, I thought, "Mm, give me a little shot. Yeah. Just a little slap, and it it was not there. Uh, The other disappointment of the thing... Eggs were perfect, by the way, my over medium. Okay, so somebody Uh, got you a good egg this week. Yeah, yeah. The the bacon, unfortunately, and I assume this is because there were only about four people in the place at 8 a.m. It opens at 7, and a few more came in, but certainly not what they're looking for yet for a breakfast rush on a Tuesday morning. So the bacon had been sitting under the lamps for an hour and a half, and there were just little pieces of bark. Mm. Which, you know that, or you're assuming that based on? I'm the assuming that. Okay. I mean, I I did not ask for super well done. Absolutely no right. Right. No, I was just wondering bacon. if you actually saw the lamp. That's the, I know, did not see the lamps, or or just sitting in a in a tub, right. you know, right. a little a bus tray. So now you went to 1228 Main. You yeah. got to please tell me that you left with some pastries or some bread if you got there that early. I saw those early. and well, I don't. I, I got a lot of bread at home from the now ex-wife, yeah. the former pastry chef. Um, so, but they look great, and the pastries look great. I was full from the breakfast, but yeah, there, there's some good-looking croissants and danishes and, and things there. Because I will tell everybody one more time. I mean, 1228 Maine can. I, I've had a great lunch there. I'm hoping to go back for a business meeting this week. We'll see more about it. I know Gemini's had some disciplining experiences yeah, there. But I'm willing to go back. Yep. In the and past, try it again. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, but I stand by the fact that 1228 Maine is a gain for any neighborhood simply for its breads. Um, yeah. Because it is the Wolfgang Puck Group's restaurant. And their, their head baker is Kamel Gacheda. He is a James Beard Award winning. We've talked about a lot of finalists. Yes. He's a James Beard Award winning pastry chef from his days at Robichon. He's overseeing their bread program. If you've ever had the Robichon bread card, if you've oh, been lucky yeah. enough. Yeah. Well, now you don't have to spend $1,000 to right. experience those breads. <laughs> I mean, and also you can get his breads at all puck restaurants. So, you know, it's not the only place you can get them. But this is the only place I know you can get them and bring them home. So I would say any trip to 1228 Maine that does not involve you okay. leaving with some bread is probably yeah. a wasted trip to 1228 Maine. Okay. So that's my little pro tip there for Go you. Go to the box, feel sure. And I'm just going to make one correction. It's not 12th and Maine. It's actually Maine and Colorado. Oh, that's of course. Yeah, 1,200 block. Of, <laughs> 1,200 yeah, block. Yeah, yeah yes. Colorado just north of there. Uh, the other thing I, I go to a lot, more than any place else, and I forget to give them a little love, Life's a Bagel, which is in the strip mall with the Smiths and a couple of other places at Rampart and Lake Mead. Always one of the top-rated bagel spots these days. And I go in for my, my usual sausage, eggs, and cheese on a toasted sesame. Always hits the spot. And that is my breakfast week. There you go. Breakfast, breakfast, breakfast. (laughs) The weird thing is, you know, I'm going to now be hungry for breakfast at like noon today or one o'clock and nobody will be making this. Oh, here, I'll do it for you. (laughs) My thing is is that I don't necessarily need to eat breakfast like at breakfast time. I just love breakfast food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a breakfast food kind of person. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not, but um, we do a show on that some other time. Uh, let's talk about where I've been dining because I don't want to get this thing to go over. We've got a great guest uh, coming up. I don't want to waste too much time talking about my, <laughs> my breakfast experiences. Um, immediately after our recording session last week, I made a return trip to Uncommons on Durango at the 215, but you'll be happy to hear that it was not to visit the sundry. 
which is their food hall. We've all been talking about nonstop since yes. it opened. The thing people need to remember about the Uncommons Project is there are a lot of other very interesting restaurants planned for the development. And one of them, Amari, is now open for lunch. So I went in there, that's um, and today. that's um, Jason Rochelo, yep. um, previously ran the front of the house at Brezza. Uh, he had a split with Nicole Brisson over there. That she was originally planned to be a chef for this place, but yep. there's the, the parting of the ways. Jason went over to Amari. Um, I met the chef there. I'm singeing on his name, but I'd love to have him on one of these days to talk about what he's doing over there. I uh, went in for lunch. A little dead, but, you know, again, they've just been opened. They don't have their liquor license yet. Okay. So that's why they're doing lunch only right now. Although people still asking for booze because this is, in fact, Vegas. Um, but they, they do pizza that they're very proud of. I did not order a pizza. I ordered a sandwich, a chicken parm sandwich on, on this amazing focaccia bread that they do. Wow. Um, which was really, really fucking good. Um, I had a couple of grilled prawns that were very, very good, you know, big head-on prawns that came to the table. They sent me out, a, a, I don't want to say a loaf, but a big chunk of the focaccia bread also yeah. on its own because they do sell it with various dips. And I had, they sent out all four of those dips. And there was a pesto, a whipped regatta, Calabrian honey, and a classic tomato sauce. Um, so that was really, you know, really great lunch for me. I mean, clearly that I took home a lot of that as well. <laughs> and um, yeah, that uh, I ended up eating that chicken parm sandwich. I never, and I... I didn't reheat it. Let me put it that way, because you know you can't really reheat a sandwich in that thing. The question is, is yeah. it going to still be good cold? And it really was fucking good. Oh, cold. good. So mm -hmm. That's the test, right? And so I ate that. I, mean, I also was a little stoned when I ate that at the end of the night, but it was really good <laughs> cold when I'm stoned. I was not stoned when I visited the restaurant. Let me make that clear. When I review these restaurants, I'm not stoned when I go into them. But leftovers, you always do have oh, to worry about whether or not I may be stoned for that. Because um, that's the end of the night gummy. That's you know, right. That's the only way I can go to sleep and stop thinking about all this madness we do is the end of the night gummy um where else have i been that evening buddy velastro was celebrating his 10th anniversary of buddy v's in the grand canal shops at the venetian so for the second night in a row for me at this point i fought the f1 repaving traffic to drive to the venetian where we are today um, traffic, I didn't have a problem getting here today. Um, I had had a problem getting home from Hasselon because of that traffic. Um, and it just happens that it, the whole Strip's experiencing this. It's in front of the Venetian right now. It'll move on to another area of the Strip that'll be bad in a few days, I'm sure. I don't look at the schedule all that much. But that night, it was fucking horrendous. And wow. I listened to GPS. I figured maybe it had the updated things. And no, man, we just sat there. We were stuck on, oh, on Las Vegas no. Boulevard the way they routed me around. A lot of people I know, a lot of journalists actually um, didn't go. They just left when they saw how bad the traffic was backed up. Wow. And I ended up getting there an hour late. But I still had a fantastic time. I wouldn't miss that for the world. I love Buddy Velastro. Really cool, really cool cat. He really loves Las Vegas a lot. And he's brought a lot to this town. Um, so... It was great being over there to celebrate with him, to celebrate with his partners, Elizabeth Blau and Kim Cantinwala. Um, you know, they're both, of course, the locals here in Las Vegas, and they're fantastic. Consider myself very fortunate to be able to call them my friends. So for me, this was not something that I was going to miss. Buddy was pretty slammed with um, photo ops and handshakes and interviews. Then I saw some photo ops where they were pouring Louis Trey. Um, I could not get myself Woo! into the photo ops to get myself Louis the 13th, <laughs> but I wasn't really expecting that. Um, I, I didn't push that hard because I'm not that big of a dick. Um, but, you know, Buddy did find some time to chat with me. And here's a bit of that conversation where he starts by reflecting on his 
past 10 years on the Strip. Such a humbling and blessed experience. I'm so thankful to all the people who come here and I'm so thankful to my staff because I got an awesome team here and that's what keeps them coming back. Look, I didn't got to tell you, restaurants don't last 10 years, especially on the Strip. And we're not in the most convenient location. So we got to be doing something right. And I think it all starts with the food, the service, and my staff here. Was this, was this your first actual restaurant other than bakeries? This is my first actual restaurant. Made the deal with Sheldon Adelson on a handshake. And 10 years later, wow, just can't believe it. So has it made you want to expand into more restaurant touring? Yes and no. You know, <laughs> I, I like doing the bakeries and the fast casual, uh, but we, we definitely in the future have more that we want to do. Maybe a little different concepts. Maybe the, one of the dreams is to do something with my wife, like Buddy and Lisa's Kitchen. Oh, okay. that would be cool. So, uh, and not only Italian, because we don't always cook Italian strictly, but just like the food that me and my family love. And I know you've got a new show happening with your kids, right? Could you just tell me briefly about that? Yeah, it's called Buddy Velastro's Cake Dynasty. It's going to air on A&E sometime this November. And it's not only, it's kind of like where I am in my life now. You know, I have 20-something concepts all over the world. I have um, vending machines. I run a um, manufacturing facility. My kids are coming into the business, and it's about the succession if they want to be part of it. So it's just seeing what I'm doing in my life now. And we still make crazy cakes. Next up for me was a trip to Maramoto. We were actually heading over to Top Golf that evening to celebrate Mary Cashel Reese's birthday. Oh yeah, later I saw that some evening. of those photos. Yeah, it was a great party. But beforehand, we had some time to kill, and we were planning to dine at Greek Sneak in the MGM Grand for a late lunch, pre-dinner, whatever you want to call it. So we wanted something really light. Turns out Greek Sneak is closed on weekends, other than serving its menu at the bar of the adjacent Crush, which is really the same restaurant kind of, but yeah. two different menus type of thing. Same owners, two different concepts, but they share some space. Um, that bar was full, so we couldn't get in. So we we're looking for another place to get something that was really light, a little bit of a bite. And um, we decided to go on over to Morimoto. And look, I have said this on this podcast many times. I truly believe it is important, not, not just important, vital to revisit the OG celebrity chef restaurants every once in a while, just to remind yourself how good they are. And when I do that, I usually like to have the classic signature dishes, yeah. right? And because sometimes these dishes have been knocked off by so many people, they become commonplace until you go back and you eat them by the people who originally did them. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for Nobu for this same reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you go back in, you're like, oh, this is so much better when you get it at the original. So we went in there and I, um, I focused on that type of dish. So we sat at the bar. I ordered his tuna tartare with caviar his tuna pizza, some oysters, and a few bites of nigiri. So I don't know if people don't remember or if you've never tried that tuna tartare. It's kind of a lightly ground. It comes on a plate. Mm -hmm. It's ground up. There's both chutoro and otoro on there. It goes from one side to the other, which you're getting. But it's a thin, thin layer of this tartare on the plate. And they give you these metal, I don't know, sort of scrapers that you scrape <laughs> it up with. Yeah. And then you can dip that into a little bit of wasabi, yes. a little bit of creme fraiche, yes. a little tiny bit of onions. 
it's just so fucking good, yeah. right? And of course, there's the caviar on there, which explains why some of the caviar accoutrements are there. Yep. This is just such a brilliant dish. You got just sit at the bar and get yeah. that dish. Yeah, and it's a. F- I mean, uh, you described it perfectly. It's a fun way to eat it too. Yeah. They could have put it just stacked on a cracker and said, "Here you go," or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, or put it in a spoon ready to eat. But they're giving you the option to kind of put together yeah, a little bit. And I, l- I love that. I love that. And then speaking of on a cracker, you know, Morimoto has always done that tuna pizza. Yeah. Which I've had a lot of people that have imitated it recently. And there's some people that have done good jobs with it. But it's great to go and get that tuna pizza from Morimoto because that's just a fantastic dish that is, to me, at, at really at the heart of what he should do. Um, I should also mention that we did have some bites at Top Golf that night. They were also very good. It's just that I haven't been eating a lot of heavy fried foods, and I knew that their menu would be heavy on that. But the food there was was very good as well. And you know, I've I've been in there before. The chef who built that menu used to work with Kerry Simon. I forget his name. Um, and Top Golf, if you're going to go there, you don't need to eat beforehand. It's just for me, I you wanted really something don't. light. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I didn't want I didn't want all that party bar food kind yeah. of stuff. So no disrespect to the Top Top Golf. Um, whatsoever. And then finally, Kaiseki Yuzu, another, another. James Beard Award finalist <laughs> yeah. um, this year. They've opened a new sushi bar, which is officially opening later this month, but they were kind enough to invite me in for a preview. So this is a six-seat sushi bar. When yep. you first go in the door, it's off to the left. Uh, they're doing one menu. It's still a tasting menu, yep. um, but as opposed to Kaiseki, and I don't want to get too deep into this. Maybe we do a whole show on it. You know, omakase has now become synonymous with tasting menu for Japanese restaurants. Right. But kaiseki is really different than omakase traditionally. Kaiseki is a traditional coursed meal yes. built on seasonal ingredients. Sushi is one small part of it. Omakase is when you go into a sushi restaurant and you say, give me whatever great sushi you have. Omakase. That's what it is traditionally. Right. Um, even though people like Morimoto and Nobo treat it a little differently than that. This is a sushi tasting menu. Everything, the, the overwhelming majority other than some soup is a sushi, you know, is sushi, all sushi. One tasting menu, $165. It's sushi that's up there on the level, better than anything you're going to get on the strip because Anywhere. just types of fish that, yeah. you, that they don't carry on the strip. I mean, you can get this kind of stuff at Kabuto. You can get this kind of stuff at Yui Edamai Sushi. There are sure. a few places in Las Vegas where you can get it. This is now a new one. Yeah. Uh, $165 a head. Fantastic meal. Loved yeah. it. There's an a la carte menu as well, but that's really just to do add-ons. Add-on, yeah. you know, So you can't go in and just order the a la carte. So I'm really, really excited for them. I'm and excited for yeah, it. Yeah, and I would recommend everybody giving it a try. always so thoughtful. Yeah, and so. he's not running it, but the sushi chef who is running it has been working with him for two years. That's a, yeah. And they've developed, and I forget the, sh- the main chef's name over there. I'm singeing on I it. Can I can see it in my head. I can't pronounce yeah, it, so I, I, I just call him chef. But, yeah, but chef over there, he came out. He said hi to everybody, but the, um, the sushi chef who's running it actually has a... Um, I don't mean this disparagingly to anybody, but a better command of the English language yep. than the primary chef. Yep. So it's a much more conversational setting yep. that you can have there while he's making the sushi. You eat each piece of nigiri as he hands it to you. So if you look at my my photos sushi. on social media, <laughs> you'll notice there are no nigiris lined up in right. a row. They're all just close-ups of one piece of nigiri. Um, but, you know, great chef, great, great people. And, yeah, I'm really happy for them. That's awesome. Well, coming up in the news, we have information on events for National Prosecco Day this weekend, an Italian holiday, and a separate, by the way, Italian holiday celebration, uh, menu expansions downtown, and a Hawaiian fave is coming to the Ninth Island. This is Food and Loathing.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. You want more Al Mancini? You can hear me all week long on all of the Highway Drive and Vegas Vibe radio stations delivering the Neon Feast foodie updates. Also, keep your eyes open for my appearances on Wake Up With The CW and my videos on the at Vegas social media channels. And you can find some of my writings at visitlasvegas.com. And our guest for this segment and our host for the entire episode, Ryan Labby, is joining us. Um, born in Providence, Rhode Island, he studied psychology, sociology, political science, and history before the lure of the hospitality industry lured him away from his plans to attend law school. Good call. I've done that scene. And um, it was fun, <laughs> but not tremendously lucrative in my case. Um, Starting as a bar back in Providence, he eventually moved to Las Vegas and joined the Light Group as a consultant before founding the 8182 Group and partnering with the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the Palms, and San Diego's Pendry to create eight venues. His team was behind several of the venues that were created for the Palms reopening, the Apex Social Club, Green Street Kitchen, and the Camden Cocktail Lounge, as well as barbershop cut and cocktails in the Cosmopolitan in partnership with Click Hospitality. His first solo efforts were the tremendously successful La Netta in downtown Summerlin and Mas Por Favor in Chinatown, and he has since been charged with reimagining the three venues in the Venetian's Cocktail Collective. Ryan, how much of that did I mess up? Zero. Wow, that's yeah. a first. It makes you feel, sleep? It makes me feel like I was busy. <laughs> yeah, you've I need a nap after reading that. Right? A Lifetime Achievement oh Award here. Oh, my God. Here. Um, well, thanks for having us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for giving us a glimpse into this room, which is it's now beautiful. Juliet. Looks fantastic. How many days are we as we record this? How many days out from opening? We opened, soft opened on Saturday. Okay. So, so you're already getting people drunk in here. Third day operations, yes. <laughs> Awesome. I mean, I'm looking around. I have to say, this is in the space that was formerly Dorsey, um, on the off of the Venetian's casino floor, for those who may remember it. It's sort of tucked away in the back, but it has a nice <clears throat> space open to the casino floor right before you walk into the, the restaurant row that connects the Venetian and the Palazzo. Now, I'm looking around, and there are some huge changes that are immediately evident, like the fact that you have the two pianos in there for the dueling piano Love concept. Um, but a lot of it still has the same feel, definitely has the same footprint, and in some ways, the same kind of lush. Well, where we're sitting right now, this library area, oh. um, it, it is not a tremendous departure from what was here before. Could you talk about how much of a reimagine you gave this space? Well... You know, the bones are the bones. It's a, it's a rectangle space. The bar is where the bar is. Um, the pillars are where the pillars are. So we could just, we had to like work around it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we re, we finished, resurfaced, 
put a bunch of color into the space that wasn't here before. I don't know if you remember, but everything was like mahogany and, and kind of mm-hmm. dated looking. We tried to bring that to uh, 2023 a little bit. Cool. But Dorsey has been a staple in the Venetian Palazzo and in Las Vegas for quite some time. Um, we didn't really want to totally take everything away. We just kind of reimagined it a little bit. The furniture that was here before was kind of big and bulky and uninviting. We tried to make it a little more sexy, chic, Victorian um, with some color pop. Well, it, does, it looks beautiful. It looks really great. It does. How about cocktail program? How, what's, what um, special twists are you bringing to the cocktail program here? So our cocktails are fun. Our cocktails are fun from a visual standpoint as well as a, uh, a taste standpoint, right? We feel as though everybody, everybody knows that everybody eats and drinks with the phone first, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, so to not try and capture some of that organic marketing, I think, would be a big downfall. Um, also, generally, people that drink your Old Fashions and your Manhattans yes. and a Dirty Martini, they're going to order it, right? They're just going to walk in and order it. So our cocktail menu is meant to provide a bit of a, a different experience, right? Um, some fruity, some strong, but all very, very um, spirit-based, right? But the presentation of the glassware and the garnishment is, is really what is going to differentiate us from another cocktail bar. That's interesting. I love to hear what you said about the old fashioned and the, the, the dirty martinis and things like that. One thing I've noticed, just go off on a little tangent, is, you know, my wife always orders old fashions, right? And a lot of places you go in, if you order a classic cocktail, people want to put their own twist on it, right? Like always. There, there's always whatever classic <laughs> cocktail you want. They're like, maybe you want our old fashioned. Maybe you want our Manhattan or, you know, whatever it may be. No, they just want their Manhattan, right? Right. one that they know. <laughs> exactly. So you, you don't play that game, man. No, You're, I mean, we have a little bit of some of those things on our menu um but if somebody comes to the bar and orders a traditional manhattan or a negroni that's what they get right they get a, a well-made traditional mint like negroni or manhattan or old-fashioned mm-hmm. um now we have some things that are a bit different at rosina that kind of elevate those cocktails but here they're all different right um because again if you're going to walk into a space and you're a manhattan drinker you don't need to see it on the menu you're going right. to order it by name anyway so yeah. you just wasted space on a menu yeah, absolutely, man. So let's talk a bit about um, you starting off the 8182 group and actually going solo. Because I guess originally you did it as a partnership with groups like Click Hospitality and things Correct. like that, right? Yeah. So when I first moved here, you know, we did, I had a partner originally. And we did a lot of con- consulting for Light Group and Hakkasan and The Win. And, you know, um, it was great because we got to work with some of the best people in the city and, and learn the do's and the don'ts. And you know, um, really get that big bucket experience, big box experience rather. Um, and then kind of things just took off with Andy when he when he uh, opened up Click Hospitality, when he was bought out by Hakkasan and, you know, he had to develop a new hospitality company called Click Hospitality. He reached out to us and, and asked us to partner on the first of his on-the-strip properties, which was Click. And it was great. You know, we opened up our first venue together with him and kind of just kept rolling from there, which was a great partnership for all of us. Um then the palms happened and the palm was great and you know everybody uh was kind of involved in the palms um but then when we parted ways with the palms um we decided that we wanted to do some smaller stuff off the strip on our own and indy really had no interest in that so that's when we kind of started doing our own thing uh we started with moss then we did la Neta, then we did la Neta dallas and while we were doing la Neta dallas we took over the what was then the dorsey and is currently still Electra and rosina Okay. And it was interesting. First of all, were those your first 
pure restaurant experiences, or had you worked with a lot of those with Click and so with with, with Click we worked with a lot of them, right? Um, but that was Andy's baby. Restaurants were his thing. Um, but we were lucky enough to learn and, and experience what it took to build and grow a menu and a team. Um, I think what was really interesting um, about those those first two that you did, Laneta and um, Mas Por Favor. Both Mexican, mm-hmm. which is um, a very underserved, I feel, in Las Vegas. There's just not a lot of fantastic Mexican. And, you know, the, they're the weird, niche little Mexican. But you managed to put together two really fantastic Mexican restaurants that were doing things a little bit differently, each in their own way. I mean, I feel like La Neta is just such a, a beautiful restaurant, has very creative dishes, very... Um, I don't know. Just there's a lot of wow factor in the dishes alone, and then the room itself is stunning. Mas por favor, you know, from the way that it's set up is a very casual thing right up front, but then it has the back room, which is you know such a more you know typical Vegas speakeasy you know kind of experience, really chic, really cool. Um, but it was interesting to me that you just you took two stabs at Mexican, which there are not a lot of fantastic Mexican restaurants here in Las Vegas, and I feel like you found you, first of all you knocked it on out of the park in both with the delivery, but you found unique markets in each of them and they're very different one of them being in um in downtown Summerlin where you have the more upscale people and I feel that you really cater to that crowd and where Mas Por Favor caters a lot to the party crowd and you know the excitement of of that Chinatown shopping center that it's in which also has so many other great places like the Golden Tiki and Partage and Half Bird and you know I could go on forever so was there a conscious effort to just why Mexican, I guess, and they, why the approaches you took to Mexico? Well, I'll be quite honest with you. They both happen kind of by chance or mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were looking to open up a breakfast location, um, and then the Mas Por Favor spot kind of just popped into us. Um, and we toyed around with it for probably three or four months before we decided to take the space, and then we decided, what are we going to put in this space? And what I thought Vegas was lacking, um, in my opinion, was just a general bar. Yeah. Right. Everything in Vegas is a gaming bar or inside a casino or something like that. And where I'm from on the East Coast, like there's real bars, no gaming. You go in there, mm-hmm. you get banged up and food is a second <laughs> is an afterthought. Right. Yeah. And that's how Moss 4 was created. Right. Food wasn't meant to be the, the forefront. Um, it was meant to be you're there drinking and you want to bite. So the tacos <clears throat> up front were a secondary thought. To well, the- it was it was kind of just like a. I put in really the front of it was kind of just to be a facade, right? Because so I love that it. it's a taco speakeasy. Yeah, <laughs> but the thought wasn't to create like people go there and eat dinner now, which yeah. I, I love, right? Um, but it was meant to be a bar with good food, and now it's a it's a as a quote unquote restaurant with good drinks. So absolutely, <laughs> a little yeah. turnaround there. And yeah, we like to do things a little differently. I feel as though if you want, you know traditional stuff you go to your traditional outlets you know what i mean um we want to do stuff that's going to make people think a little bit um and that's what we do at moss and la neta um ironically enough kind of happened by mistake as well um (laughs) pre-pandemic um a gentleman at javier's is a really really good friend of mine and uh he said hey man i want to do my own thing and i go what do you want to do he goes i want to open a mexican restaurant i'm like well, if I was going to open a Mexican restaurant with anybody, it would be with you because this is what you've done for the yeah. past X amount of years. <clears throat> so I went and looked for spaces and looked for spaces. And then we found the space in which La Neta and Summerlin is now. It was blue ribbon fried chicken to go on the corner and then a gray shell I remember with, that. where the dining room is, which was just dirt floors and, yep. you know, that's it. See yeah. you later. And uh, I signed the lease and we started to do conceptualization and construction and then he decided he wanted to stay with Javier's. So, <laughs> oh, so I'm like, shit, here I am. 
<laughs> luckily, we have a great corporate chef, and I have a great operating partner on the restaurant side of things, on both sides of things, but the restaurant side of things, Jordan Mendez and Lanny Chen. And they've been in the restaurant. Lanny's awesome. They've been in the restaurant yeah. business forever. Yeah. And we went and found uh, a gentleman that really understood the flavor profiles of Mexican food and allowed us to um, untraditionalize it, I guess you would say. Because again, you know, anybody can put enchiladas on a plate. Yeah. Um, it's how you do it and what it looks like. And, and um, I was there just last weekend for brunch. I think it's Great. important to us. Um, so it kind of all fell into place, luckily. But well, I, the intention was never to do two, one Mexican restaurant, never mind two. We, we love well, that we have them. It's amazing where life takes you, right? Um, but they're both, I don't know, I don't want to use the wrong phrase here, but I would say in a way they're both high concept restaurants. They're, they definitely show that they have a, a restaurant group behind them or somebody who has the creativity that goes into really planning a restaurant beyond just great dishes, decent service, halfway decent, you know, decor. And that's a lot of people go into restaurants. That's all they feel they need, right? It seems like you checked all the boxes. Well, I appreciate that. Both of those, there seems to be something beyond that, which is there, there's a concept at work. You could tell that somebody who has experience in the club world and in the casino world formed them um, and created them and came to them to, to have a bigger idea, to create something that actually <clears throat> defines what is La Neta and defines what is Mas Por Favor, right down to the special events that you'll do with them and the, you know, the, the things that you do in the back room. I was at a Nightmare Before Christmas thing yep. um, oh, at, yeah. at Mas Por Favor not that long ago. Um, but So I guess, were you worried that maybe the, the burbs weren't ready for that kind of high concept? Or do you think that we've just had such a transition in Las Vegas that people are looking for strip quality concepts out near their homes? So I think that, one, um, people don't want to have to travel to the strip to have that sort of experience. You go to California, you go to New York, you can step outside your doors and, and walk into a bunch of different restaurants or bars mm -hmm. that you know, are very different from each other. And I think that's what is needed in Las Vegas. To your point, you can make an amazing steak and, and throw it on a white plate, but what's going to differentiate from the next restaurant that makes an amazing steak and throws it on a white plate? Mm -hmm. It's the atmosphere, right? Um, everybody works so hard and is so stressed out about their daily life and whatever it may be. We try to build spaces that kind of removes them from that and immerses them in our reality, right? Like, that's why the back room at Moss is so different and you walk through that, what we call the drug tunnel, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and that's why, you know, La Neta's kind of Beauty and the Beast. You know what I mean? A lot of the greenery. We wanted to bring the inside out. And we just thought it was important. We want somebody to come into the restaurant and t and totally escape whatever they had to deal with for the rest of the day. Yeah. Right? Um, and we think that's important. People get to pick and choose where they're going to spend their money and time. And if they're going to spend it with us, we want to do our best to make sure they have a great experience. Cool. Um, so let's talk now. Let's get you to the Venetian and Palazzo where we are <laughs> right now. Uh, their cocktail collective was, has definitely for a long time been a high point of these two properties. Absolutely. I mean, I am a sucker for Rosina. I think that <laughs> you walk into Rosina, I think it's one of the most perfect bars in America. I mean, there's just, it's so gorgeous in there and it's kind of, yeah, that, that art deco kind of vibe and it just feels beautiful down to the, the tiniest finishes. But, you know, Electra, also a really cool space. To me, it has kind of a glam rock, David Bowie-esque feel to it. And then here where we are right now. Um, so when you're charged with taking over three places that are already very well known by locals, very well known by the people that come to Las Vegas only once a year because they're such stunningly gorgeous spaces. Um, how do you reimagine them and keep them fresh, which you always have to do in Las Vegas, you always have to grow and to remain current, without giving up some of the things that had endeared them to so many people? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's exactly as difficult as you make it sound. <laughs> yeah, I was just, just going to say, I think you answered the question in the question. <laughs> well, with Rosina, I agree with you. It's a beautiful bar. It's a perfect place to go drink. It's a real bar, right? No gaming, good mixology, right? And it's all about the people in the room, right? Meaning the guests as well as the, the, the team members. So what we did there is we just kind of cleaned it up a little bit. Um, they didn't really have a cocktail menu, believe it or not, for being a cocktail bar. They just had classic cocktails really? on a menu. Mm. Um, they had hidden cocktail menus, but they were so hidden that <laughs> nobody knew about them. <laughs> um, so we kind of just cleaned them up a little bit and added some signature cocktails and made a little bit more of a interaction with the guest, right? Because it's a small room, and I think that's important. And we also focused on high-end bottles and wine and stuff like that. That's, the, that's, that's what I feel that room should be. Yeah. Mm. No loud, loud music and no running around and dancing. It's You want to sit down and have an... You know, an educated, elegant conversation with somebody, that's the room. Or you want to oh. drink 300 dirty martinis, that's the room, too. That's the room too. <laughs> right. Um, a lecture is a cool... You do both at the same time, even better. Well, yes, that would be a, <laughs> a pretty solid task. Um, Electra is an interesting room, right? It's really big. Um, and it has those screens. So we're using that as what we would call, for lack of a better term, an ultra lounge, right? We program DJs on, on Friday, Saturday, and we really try to get that room moving, which it does. And then we use that to program our sports, you know, UFC, boxing, we'll program football there. Because to make use of those screens, it only makes sense, right? The room is perfectly set up for that. Um, and we're going to do a pretty cool F1 activation there as well. Cool. So, yeah, that was a <clears throat> massive screen. Last time I was in Electra, not that long ago, they, you had to press in for, to take a yep. peek at it. Um, but that big, massive screen against the one wall was not operating. I remember when it had originally opened, there was all kinds of artwork that was projected yep. onto there. So is that screen going to be there to be project sports onto there? Yep. So we're using it. We still have some art that goes through there. But, yes, we use that. Um, we, you know, we had the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz fight. We do UFC every time there's a main UFC event. So we're going to use that to make sure that, you know, people can get in there and watch sports. So let's talk about some of those signature <clears throat> things that we know that I was worried may or may not go away. And I came in here, so that, that cage area sort of in the front is still here at Juliet. Yeah. You've, you've, um, moved the pianos into it, right? Yes. So, um, the cage isn't my favorite. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been here for a long time. It's pretty. And it, it kind of sets the, the area for the pianos, which I think is nice. But, again, it's been here since Dorsey, right? And um, it is what it is. You know, it's, it, it, I think it, it comes together with the room. Um, but it's, it's not my favorite. I think everybody that knows the Dorsey, when they see that, still thinks the Dorsey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think eliminating that might have been um, a way to kind of get rid of that a little bit. But also pays, you know, pays a tribute to what, what the Dorsey was. Absolutely. And we have to respect yeah. that. So I'm okay with it. Um, you know, what we're doing here is <clears throat> Dorsey was very DJ driven. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a lack of live entertainment in the space. And, you know, at, at what we did at Barbershop is, you know, live music seven days a week. We started off originally yeah. with two or three days a week and, and DJs. And we just realized that seven days a week is what it was. I'm not saying by any stretch of your imagination, this is Barbershop. Right. But what I'm saying is, is with 7,000 rooms and a heavy convention flow, I think that putting something that somebody can really get engaged with with the, the piano and the singer mm -hmm. um, will really be beneficial to the space. So we're making it more of not just a cocktail bar here, an entertainment space. So yeah. you have entertainment and cocktails here, you have a beautiful cocktail bar with Rosina, and you have a sports 
you know, slash ultra lounge with Electra. There you go. <clears throat> and yeah, I think also, you know, there's this, there's a throwback to classic Vegas when you can have live entertainment, you know, and people performing songs that we all know, not necessarily, you know, something original that, you know, I'm, I'm here to learn about a new band, but right. I'm hearing people do the classics and whether they're doing it as a, as a jazz crooner or some of these reimagined modern jazz things or as a dueling pianos. I mean, there's, there's a classic Vegas aspect to that, I think, of getting out of your conference and sitting in a bar and, and hearing a piano man play piano man songs, you know, but in a modern, you know, hipper way. So I think that that, that really is, is something that's necessary in Las Vegas, and I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah, I sat here for three, three hours or so last night listening to them, the bands. Well, I don't know if you can call them bands, but, yeah. you know, we had two pianists and a singer last night, and they're phenomenal, but they're just working through trying to understand the room. And they're doing sets, so it works. You know, you do 30 minutes on, then it's just pianos, then 15 minutes off, and we play the house music again, and just to keep people engaged. Yeah. Um, once we start to figure out the ebbs and flows of the traffic of the hotel, we could do some other fun stuff here as well. When we have high convention, we're going to do uh, piano karaoke. You know, I think that'll go off really well. We're still going to play a little bit with the DJ stuff on maybe Thursdays and Sundays, but we want to focus on the live entertainment as much as we can. Cool. So moving over to Electra, um, some of the signature things we already mentioned that massive video wall that you have. You also have that table in the corner. I just I need to ask about all the things that I know about these places and what's staying and what's going. Um, that that I always viewed it as sort of a VIP table. It looked like a bunch of bracelet, bl glam rock bracelets, yes, yes. bangle bracelets, right? <laughs> that made up the cage there as well. Is that staying? And are you doing anything with that? We we aren't finally. We're not. Um we're still to toying around with the idea of what Electra is going to be, um, but I, I would hope that if we get what we we all want, that the bracelet will no longer be there. Okay. <laughs> I dug them, but I, I can see why. Whoever designed these spaces like to put people in cages, and that's completely okay. And right. Personal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, now, any truth, and maybe I'm not even supposed to say this out loud, but um, any truth that you may actually be moving the moving Electra someplace else within the property? We're still working on... Um, okay. <laughs> What's the PC way to reply to that? <laughs> okay. So I think the way you did, we're still, we're still working, working through all the details. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then getting back to Rosina, which I told you, one of my favorite bars, and I love that it still looks just as, as beautiful and as perfect as it always has. Um, the signature item in there when it first opened, and I've never used it. I don't know if anybody ever did, but it got a lot of press. The champagne <clears throat> call buttons. Is that still a thing? It's there. It's absolutely. I love there. that thing. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have one that doesn't work as well in my own bar, in my own house. It says <laughs> press for champagne. It makes noise. Doesn't always bring me champagne. Well, the problem is the person that's pressing it at your house has to also bring it. Uh, apparently. Yeah, that's a little less fun. <laughs> um, it's still there. Um, we don't get a tremendous amount of use out of it, but guests like it. It's it's a good social interactive piece. Good talking point. Good yeah. thing to put on social media, but not a lot of people buzzing for champagne. No, not a, not a lot. We would like to be used more. That's for sure. Cool. So we're um, as we before we wrap this up. What else is on the horizon for the eighty one eighty two group? Um, you know, this is a big year for us. We we like I said, we opened up Dallas. Uh, we took on these three amazing venues and partnered with the Venetian, um, and then we are opening a breakfast location on Decatur and Blue Diamond. Hopefully, towards the end of the year, um, we're working through all the the details and permitting of that right now. Do you have a name for that yet? Uh, Loosely, but I want to make sure that my okay. attorney approves it <laughs> before <laughs> before we roll out with it. Cool. Um, but yeah, we're excited about that. I think breakfast is for everybody, and I'm a fat kid at heart, and sometimes in in real life. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, good breakfast is. Oh yeah. Man, it's like 
I, I go to breakfast five days a week. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? See, these guys are breakfast people, man. I'm like, my first meal of the day is usually consumed around two in the afternoon. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> Good for you. I No, it's just, I don't know, just weird. I'm weird. But um, it's, it's a leftover remnant of my days where I was out all night. And, you know, didn't get up until late. And that's the yeah. one one habit from that that I've still yeah. retained, you know. And also the bad side of that is sometimes I wake up at 2 in the morning and I'm Starving. hungry. You know, right. like, if you, I'm not up that late anymore, <laughs> but I still expect my late night dinner at that point. So that's not good. Uh, well, look, man, thanks so much for having us. The place looks beautiful. I can't wait to get in here with some friends and have some cocktails and entertain some out-of-town guests. So the place looks fantastic. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show, and we look forward to having you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank thanks. you so much. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. Casa Luigi Prosecco is celebrating National Prosecco Day all weekend long, starting Friday, August 11th, and going through Sunday, August 13th, the actual day of the celebration. Events are held all weekend. I'll just give you a quick rundown. Friday... There will be at Italy Park MGM, 1 to 4 p.m. They'll uncork some of that Casa Luigi Rosé and make some Hugo Spritz and Imperial at their pop-up. Also, I thought Casa Luigi was like a new video game coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. New spinoff from Mario right? Brothers. It's right? me, Luigi. It's Have me, some and, then, and then the bottle pops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also on Friday from 2 to 5 p.m. at the MGM Grand Pool, they will poolside splash some ice-cold sips of Casa Luigi Bianco, Rosé, and the Hugo Spritz. That one is open to hotel guests and cabana rentals. So get your cabana rentals and enjoy the day. I'm flashing on Mario and Luigi flipping <laughs> houses on the Discovery Channel now. Really? <laughs> and Saturday, August 12th, Luigi, you, you uh, can... Houses. So, I'm sorry, we're just stepping right uh, over totally you. Totally okay. We just went right off on a tangent. I'm so sorry. That's we're the so way rude. my mind's that's, working that's, these days. That's you know. what makes it entertaining. That's okay. Oh, I'm sorry, what were you saying, please, Gemini? <laughs> so those are Friday events. Saturday events, you can go to the aria pool from 12 to 4 p.m and sunday the actual day passion for prosecco day brunch at ada's food and wine that's in tivoli village from 12 to 3 p.m and i say it all the time but that is james tree's hidden gem oh, restaurant it's it so is great yeah. one where they experiment the most where they get the most out of the box if you're a if, if you are one of the people who who enjoys experimental dining and you already like um james i don't want to say experiment it's not that funky but no. it is the the most pushing the envelope yeah, right yeah. and by the time this drops uh, i will have uh, been i will be recovering from the Bordeaux Bob uh, wine uh, pairing. Oh, thing, are you doing? Uh, the yeah, absolutely. By there just to say hi to everybody. With me not drinking, that's a high price tag to pay for yeah. fantastic yeah, yeah. wines, but um, that I will not be drinking. So, <laughs> Tuesday, August fifteenth, is the Italian holiday of Ferragosto, and RPM Italian in the Forum Shops will hold its annual Ferragosto celebration at six p.m. I spoke to the restaurant's GM. Benoit Gaige about the holiday and how his restaurant is celebrating. Tell me about Ferragosta because I'm, my last name's Mancini. I'm Italian American. I'd never heard of this before. And then I heard you're doing a party and I see it dates back to like 18 BC. So um, I guess, you know, I'm not as Italian as I should be for not knowing this. So I'm French Italian as well. I mean, I'm French Italian, but uh, Ferragosta, uh, the holidays from uh, uh, 18 BC from the emperor who decided to give like a, a day off of hard work for his uh, people. For, so to, to say thank you for the hard work, 
He's giving a day off, and then we celebrate that in Italy on the 15th of August. Okay. Yeah. So it's been celebrated nonstop for close to for over 2,000 years, basically. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So on the 15th, every Italians they celebrate with family members, friends. In Italy, of course, they take the whole August off, mm-hmm. not just the 15th, right. but mainly the 15th. Yes. Cool. Um, so have you ever been to a, a traditional celebration of this in Italy or do you know anything about how it's normally done or is it just a typical summertime holiday like we have here in America? Yeah, it's a summertime holiday, like, like I would say 4th of July, okay. but different. Cool. So, you know, it's a, just a, a day of rest and partying with your friends and okay. family. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me what it is you have planned here. So we're going to do a, some type of wine dinner with a cocktail. So we're going to have a pasta, a pasta station a um, pass uh, uh, hors d'oeuvres, as well as a dessert station and a pizza station. And then uh, we kind of go mingle around, you know, taste different pizza, pasta. And uh, we're offering uh, Aperol Spritz, which is an RPM signature dish. I mean, uh, sorry, signature cocktail that's in on the menu. Very refreshing summer flavor. So it's more like, um, I would say, uh, uh, more like a, a fun wine dinner. Not a sit down, more like you may go around, talk with people around, you know, like in Italy, friends and family. And what's the price on that? It's going to be $85 per person. And then you can uh, reserve your uh, tickets at rpmrestaurant.com. Forte Tapas will celebrate its 14th anniversary on Wednesday. That's the 14th. They'll have complimentary light bites and beverages. It's a big thank you to customers who have supported them over all that time. And there's a special menu of old favorites in addition to the normal menu. Corner Bar Management has added a new on-the-go late-night food truck, Meatball Hero, to its portfolio of bars, restaurants, and nightclubs on Fremont East. Uh, the go-to gourmet, I'm sorry, the on-the-go gourmet gastro truck is adjacent to Park on Fremont, which is another Corner Bar Management establishment. It serves freshly made Italian-inspired sandwiches from a renovated 1954 International Silver Dome trailer. The menu features a variety of five different meatball heroes and sliders, including an impossible meatball for the vegans out there, topped with vegan cheese. Yeah. All sandwiches are priced at $12, <laughs> and a single slider is 5 bucks. The Hawaiian fast casual chain Zippies will open the, its first Las Vegas location on October 10th at 10.10 a.m. It will be located at Rainbow and 215 in that Arroyo Center complex. And the Strat is now offering a locals discount at Top of the World. Yeah. If you show your Nevada ID, you'll receive 20 bucks off your bill, which is a bit more, to put it in perspective, than the price of a spinach and watercress salad. So you yeah. may figure you get one of those mm-hmm. for free or something. There's a maximum of two discounts per table. And it's also worth noting that parking over there, including valet, is free at the Strat, which is an added bonus for you locals. Absolutely. So maybe that'll sweeten the pot a little bit for you. And that is about it for this week. Thanks to all of our guests and our host, Ryan Labby, Buddy Velastro, and Benoit Gaige. We'll be back next week for more deliciousness. Until then, with Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.